pretty much everything is transitioning over to that. Like, it just came out of nowhere. Like, um, five years ago, like, you wouldn't have heard of machine learning being anywhere near this powerful. Mm -hmm. And today, it's just used on like every industry. Every company uses it across like everything. Yeah. This episode of the Bluemix podcast is brought to you by NetWin Place. NetWin Place is a co-working office space based in Scarborough. Co-working is quickly taking the working world by storm. Entrepreneurs of all sorts can take advantage of the many benefits offered by co-working spaces. NetWin Place is focused on small businesses, entrepreneurs, professionals, and anyone else in between. Their 10,000 square foot shared office space is ready to help anyone make their business dream a reality. Good to start. Who's player one? Uh, I don't know. Okay, who starts it? Uh, I'm, I'm player two. Okay, there we go. Oh, so there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do this. All right, I think this is the best way to start a podcast. Oh, yeah. So, Andreas, welcome to Bluemix Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's good to be here. Thank you for leaving your Switch here for us to play with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always a fan of uh, something to do like between work. Like, yeah. It's like rest of it, no? I think, yeah, games are the best way to de-stress, right? Yeah, I definitely agree. So you guys, uh, I noticed you guys here are playing with um, your team, right? Like, you guys all play together? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good way of just, you know, building teamwork, uh, having fun, de-stressing. Blowing off some steam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us play quite a bit. So getting arguments and you just fight <laughs> it out here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I'm glad Axel didn't try to make me dance on camera. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't try. Oh, what? He was going to make you dance? Wait, so Axel danced on camera? No, not, on, no, not when he came on our podcast. Yeah. But he loves doing that, like making people like... He has his own podcast now, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what's it on? It's on um, Instagram. I've seen it. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube yet. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, awesome. I have to check it out. But you guys are starting your own channel now, too, right? Talking about um, technical founders. Talking yeah. About so we're starting a podcast on like pretty much uh, early stage startups, how to do, like, how to start out, um, especially on the tech side, um, since I feel like that's where our specialties lie. Yeah. And yeah, pretty much. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, everyone's just pressing random buttons. I haven't played Super Smash in so long. <laughs> What the? <laughs> oh, what? Your browser? Yeah. I don't even know if I'm hurting anybody. What? Is Henry gone? Knocked out? Yeah, yeah. He's gone. <laughs> Oh, what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna win this. I have no idea how I'm still in this. <laughs> wow. And Bowser's the winner. Okay. If I won, it, if I won, it would 100% mean random, uh, random pressing of buttons wins. <laughs> works, works, you know? It does work. It does. Yeah. Cool. So. <laughs> This has been fun. 
So let's yep. uh, get back into the podcast. Yeah, that's gonna work. Especially since I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andres. So, um, yeah, you work out of the hub right now. Yep. All right, this is the second startup. Well, yeah. second and third startup you're running out of here. So you're yes, right now running exactly. two companies. Yeah. One is Opley, which is a tech development firm. You guys exactly. build out websites, build out applications on behalf of other companies, other firms. Yep. And then there is uh, Gymting, Gymting, which yeah. is a gym application that uh, you're working on right now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So before we get into that, let's talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurship journey. Right. Uh, one more. One more. One more. I think that's it. That's it. Thank you. Thanks, Hunter. Perfect. So, yeah, I mean, um, you started uh, with uh, a company called Flip. Yep. Right? Flipped. Flipped. That was your first company that you started a tech company. Yeah. Um, you also came in, uh, worked through the hub, went through the hub, but you also went through tech stars, Ryan Labs, I think you said. Um, so, Flipped is a company that uh, has achieved some good success. You were early on in that team, and you guys decided to part, from way, part ways. Yeah. And now you're working on your own project. Yep. Um, that's an interesting story in itself. It is. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're someone at a young age who have gone through some cool experiences. So let's break that down. Awesome. Right. Um, when did you start your entrepreneurial journey? Like, when did you? I mean, uh, well, from when I was like super young, I'm talking like. Okay. You're going back school. there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my idol was like Bill Gates. Nice. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, this guy's richest person in the world. Super great guy, like yep. donating, and I I always loved tech, mm-hmm. and like he was, like, the brains behind early Microsoft. So I always looked up to him, and I'm like, I always knew I wanted to have my own company, right? Yeah. I knew it was in the tech space, but I didn't really know exactly when. So my initial plan was finish university, work, like maybe Google, Microsoft, one of those companies, a couple of years, and then start my own company. But then actually, so second year university, um, that summer. A uh, friend of mine, Christian, came to me and he's like, hey, I have this idea um, for an app that locks your phone. Mm-hmm. And like, that caught me off guard. I'm like, what, what's the point of this? <laughs> um, so then he broke it down saying, um, it's supposed to help people um, stay focused, not get distracted by their phones, which is a pretty big problem nowadays. So then, yeah, I started that. Uh, that was like seven years ago now. Um, six, seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that went pretty well. Um, we got into Orion Labs, as you said, down in Mexico. I'll fly there <laughs> a couple of times. Nice. Um, Your co-founder was in there. Yeah, Labs. so my two co-founders were there in Mexico for like, I think it was a year. Okay. Yeah, I flew down a couple of times, but I just stayed here doing all the development work. It mm. didn't require everyone being there. No, it didn't. Yeah, so that was great because I was still in school. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to drop out for that. So let's talk a little bit more about this project, right? When did you guys start it and who... How did you guys come together to, f- to develop this project? Yeah, um, so I mean, I first met Christian uh, coming into Canada, actually. Um, we were both at the border, and our families spent like a couple weeks there. Um, but then after that, I really like, didn't talk to him after that. Okay. Um, and then he came back like three years later. It's like, hey, Andres, I know you're in CompSci. I have this idea. Um, so then that's when he pitched me that, and mm-hmm. that's how that started. Yeah, because that's when I, I first met you, because you guys entered into the hub yeah. um, kind of later on. So you already had the project kind of up and running at the time. You're building this, building this thing. You kind of knew what you're doing, and you're working out of the hub. I remember hearing that idea, because we were out of the, the first center, 
yeah. the building. I see one. And you want to create this app where people can control when their phones are off. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's an interesting concept, right? Did it require you to um, do anything special in terms of coding and engineering to do that? So the technology was um, very different, if, yeah. <laughs> if I say so myself. Because um, the thing is, Google or Apple, um, they don't really want you to Mess block the phone. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like uh, a virus, if you will, because yeah. like for a certain amount of time you can't use your phone. Um, so you have to have like really hacky ways of doing tough stuff. Um, like on Android, we used a, a notification, but we made it full screen, and then disabled all the input and a bunch of other weird stuff. Um, so it was a lot of like trial and error. The first. Um, say the first year we were just like trying different stuff um seeing what works seeing what didn't mm -hmm. there'll be some solutions that kind of worked but then there'll be like a little hack you could do to get get out of it um so it was definitely not easy so it's kind of like out. a hacker project you guys put together exactly finding finding workarounds and achieve the end goal which yeah. is prevents the phone from being used yeah nice and this is a mostly you're the technical comp component of this team right that's exactly that's yeah awesome so yeah so i noticed like further down the road, right, something's happened and you decided to leave the, leave the company, leave the team, yep. and you decided to work on your own. Exactly, right? yeah. And um, do you want to talk a little bit about, about that? Like, um, um, when that was or what happened? So pretty much uh, my co-founders and myself, we didn't agree with each other that well on certain aspects. Um, it was especially um, aggravated by the fact that they were a couple. Um, so it was pretty much always a two against one yeah. kind of thing. Um, and just the vision of the company and the way they run, want to run the company didn't agree with um, pretty much my visions or my morals. Of course. So pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and uh, thank you for being so uh, uh, like forward about this because that's one of the main issues about forming partnerships, right? It's so vital that uh, when you're starting a company, especially like a, te like a technology company or a startup that needs to move fast, it's vital that you have more than one person, yeah, right? I mean, one is. of the things investors look for at least two or three co-founders working together. Yeah. So that one person's down, other person can take uh, take uh, take yeah. up and work together, right? And so also the, you know, the complementing skill sets, right? Someone can be a, a salesperson and do the business side, other person can be a technical person doing the actual implementation, right? Kind of co-balance it together. Yeah. But it becomes kind of like a marriage because you're working, spending so much time together. Yeah, it is. You kind of have to be synced together on what needs to be done. Um, you guys be in the same vibe, same kind of track. And I mean, the complications of setting that kind of together, it's really, really intricate. I mean, I've noticed that myself. I've had struggles with that. Like my first company, you know, it was like four people and competing mindsets, right? Mm -hmm. It's the main yeah, problem. Like how do you have the same mindset with somebody you only known for like a year, only interacted a few times. Now you're forming this company and you're suddenly in this relationship that yeah. you gotta work very intently, intensely together with. I mean, that's a lot of trials and tribulations. Um, so you learn very quickly about, you know, how do you work together or how don't you work together? If it's gonna work or not. Uh, and sometimes that, that process takes too long, Yeah, right? it does. So a lot of times you see like successful relationships are people who are friends for a long time first coming together and forming companies. And other times people who are professionally have like, experiences, so they're professional understanding so they can work together. Yeah. But if you have neither is two, I mean, it, it's a then very- it's uh, super difficult. Super difficult, yeah. right? Uh, unless you have a very powerful personality who spearheads a project and kind of leads the way for everyone else around the project. Right, you're co-founder, but really you're kind of working under the umbrella. Yeah. Right. So there's different ways of structuring and setting these up. Um, I've seen, and they're very unique, sand skills for the people involved. 
Um, so it's cool that you kind of experience this early on and you learn from it. I mean, has that affected your partnerships in the future, like moving forward, like um, on how you construct, how do you like figure out who you want to partner with if you want to have yeah. a project now? I mean, um, so with my first experience, I didn't really give it much thought. Um, I'm like, oh, cool, they have this idea. The idea seems cool. Uh, I'll hop on the team. And I really just based off the idea, I didn't really think about, oh, I'm going to enter a partnership with them. Um, but after having that experience, I now value. It's all about the people, really. Mm. No matter like, what idea you have, if the people don't get along that great, it's, it's not going to work out. Yeah. Um, so definitely um, increased the amount of weight I placed on that. Mm -hmm. And um, so yeah, so now I, I would want to know someone pretty well at least a couple of years before entering into a partnership with them, um, at least at a co-founder level. Definitely. I mean, there are so many other ways, I think, of working together with people and keeping a distance. Because I think it's important to be able to fluidly work with multiple people at once. Oh, for sure, yeah. Right? And one of the things I seem to like is working, at, working with other people is like independent contractors or independent businesses. So it's like, okay, we're not coming together to build this company. You have a, your company that does this. I have this company that does this. Let's do a joint project, a joint mm. venture, if you will, yeah. using our two skill sets that our companies can do, or yeah. AKA we can do, or we kind of form together and like, you know, whoever gets revenue comes in, we have a revenue split. Yeah. Right? These kind of businesses are kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, right? So some people, so like, but it's, you can't do that with like building a company. No. You know, you can only yeah. do that with ventures or like, you yeah. know, like a certain Projects project. Or things like that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so now you're on to uh, again uh, a new project, two new yep. projects, right? Two new projects. So you started with Jim Ting. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that. Like, I'll bring it up on the website here, but why don't you begin with uh, what you're working on? Yeah. So pretty much, Jim Ting is uh, your personalized workout coach in your own pocket. Mm -hmm. So pretty much, our vision behind Jim Ting is to help everyone achieve their fitness goals, right? Mm -hmm. We notice um, people either at the gym they give up like a couple months after starting or they really don't know what to do. And there's a lot of like misinformation in, in the field. So is this it right here? Yeah, that's it. Is it a website or just uh, We have a website, but that's pretty bad. Don't <laughs> <laughs> worry about that. Still got to work on that. OK, yeah. so this is the app over here. It's exactly. live? Yeah, it's live. So it's a workout tracker. Exactly. OK. So um, I mean, it does a bit more than that. We should change up the name. Yeah. But yeah, so it helps you track your workouts, especially on the like, powerlifting bodybuilding side. Um, it started off because uh, we go to the gym a lot, and we would always forget what we did last week. So then, if you're always forgetting that, or you're not keeping an accurate track, it's hard to progress, since you need to put in a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that was what the core feature like, turned out to be. No, definitely. And then we added a lot of like, instructional content on it. Um, we're implementing right now a machine learning based algorithm to like, give you the perfect workout based on like your age, your goal, your body type, cool. um, things like that. So pretty much that's gym thing. So where did this need come from? Like you experienced a personal pain? Yeah, so it was a personal need. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of other people at the gym, they bring notebooks, things like that. Um, or they use coaches to like get this knowledge, help them track everything, right? Yeah. Um, but coaches are super expensive yeah, and notebooks are. are tedious and yeah. I mean, Really, you want to bring a notebook to the gym? Yeah, make it feel like doing homework, right? Exactly, yeah. right? Um, so that's where we thought like we could provide this value. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot. There was a couple other apps doing this. We did our research before like starting up, but we found that none of them really d did it well. Mm. They were either extremely clunky to use, or 
um, didn't have the educational content that we thought you could provide. Okay. So that's where it started off. That's great. Uh, I mean, you yourself, you use the app, you, you work out. Yeah. Right? I mean, you look great, man. I just want to say, you look um, like <laughs> you're getting back, you're getting I, in shape. I could be a bit more, but yeah. Just, yeah. Cool. Have you used used in your personal life now when you work out? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Perfect. Use it every time. So what's the benefits? Like you you log your like, uh, your workouts. Yeah. Do you see progress progress charts on like how well your uh, exactly your yeah. has improved? Yeah. So I log my workouts. Um, I also log my RPE, so like rate of perceived exhaustion. Okay. Um, so that helps me um know like even though if I didn't go up in weight, if it's easier to do, then I'm still getting stronger. So how stronger. do you log that? Uh, that's just uh, like a rating of like one to ten. So I'm like, ah, uh, this was a difficulty of like eight. The next so the week, person uh, inputs it after each workout, how oh yeah. difficult the workout was? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, you, yeah, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's not just tracking like how much weight you're doing, right? It's also tracking like, yeah, how hard was it through that weight? Mm. And then I'm also doing the programs, which um, we combine it with like every couple months a program switches up, so it targets different muscles. And like, um, if I want to try out new things, it allows, you, it allows me to like um, figure out which body parts I still need to hit this week, or like it'll generate me a program, a one-day program to like just try out something new. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty cool, yeah. So it gives you suggested workouts? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So is this free? The app is free? So the app is free. Um, we, we operate based on a premium subscription model. Um, the really cool features are locked away behind so our subscription. So what are the cool features? Um, so the cool features are the auto-generated workouts. Okay. Um, being able to see your progress uh, more than a couple months back. Um, the machine learning-based um, like custom generation is also going to be premium when it comes out, and then the full like comprehensive like plan is also going to be premium. Amazing. But you can use the app for free and still get most of the benefits if if you know what you're doing. Okay. Cool. And. What's the feedback been from your audience? Like, how many people are using this? Um, so right now, uh, we have just soft launched it. Um, so we have 50 active users or so. Um, and like, I think uh, 10 or so upgrades, um, like on the premium Upgrade version. premium, like, pre like, like yeah, uh, on the subscription premium, yeah. yeah. And this is what you just softly launched, no hard Yeah, this is no marketing at all. Perfect. Um, just iOS for the most part. Android just came out recently, and that hasn't had a market. Now, are you offering partnerships with like uh, um, trainers or gyms, like anyone? So that, that's something we're gonna start doing soon. Yeah, it's not available at the moment. Right now, it's purely just a consumer app. Yeah, but yeah, we're we're in the talks of um, partnering with a couple of gyms. Perfect. So, w any kind of challenges came into development of this app? Like, any? Um, I know on the yeah. technical side, you're pretty strong. You've launched yeah. an app before. Um, there, there weren't much challenges on the technical side. Um, I feel the main challenge was differentiating ourselves. Differentiating yourselves? Yeah, because there are quite a couple. How is the marketplace right now? So there are a couple of apps on the marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, we thought where we could really be strong that the other ones aren't doing is on the usability of the UI UX, right? Like, that's kind of what differentiated Apple at the beginning, right? Making sure the product's like super seamless mm -hmm. to use, like looks great, feels great. Um, so that's one of the key like things we're adding in, or we've added in to make sure we're differentiating ourselves from competitors. Um, and then also on the, in terms of the, the content we provide in terms of the educational material, for like every single one of our videos, every single one of our exercises, we have a video showing you how to do it. We have a write-up saying, 
he's, these are the things you should look out for. This, this is how you should position your, your arms and everything, right? Um, so that's the key things we're doing to yeah, I mean, ourselves. That's what I've noticed because like, I've been working out since I was like grade eight. So yeah. For me, it's like second nature. But a lot of people who are first timers going, going into the gym, yeah. they don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's a huge bur like, uh, hurdle they got to cross. Yeah. It's just the, the, the unknown aspect of it, the, the yeah. newness of it, right? Yeah. And even when they do know how to do it, they, their form might be completely wrong. Yeah. And that could lead to injuries or like you're just not properly like hitting the muscles you're supposed to hit, right? Yeah. And like there's all the, that whole stereotype of like, you know, if you're doing something in like some, like a, a, the gym bro, the guy who comes <laughs> and like, hey, corrects yeah. you, like, hey man, you feel doing this. Yeah. Or do that instead. Like, um, I hate that because like I learned from that. There's a lot of times where I've been in the gym growing up and like, people come to me and like, hey, you should correct yeah, this, you should no, do that, helpful. you shouldn't do this. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, give you more. Yeah, it's good feedback. Right? I mean, it's good to have that kind of community kind of sense. Yeah. Do you kind sure. of build that here? Is that a community sense here? Is that a social element to this? It's not there yet, but we do have uh, a, like a social aspect in the works. Um, we're pretty much, it'll be kind of like a social media inside the gym. Kind of so like, here's my performance in the gym today, kind of. Exactly, and like, you can share your workouts with other people. Um, you can see other people's progress, so you can congratulate yeah, them. Yeah, because like, when you're done the workout, you're pumped, right? You yeah, know, exactly. You, wanna, you feel good, yeah. you, know, you, you, you feel like you accomplished something, you want to share that. Yeah, exactly. Feeling. You just hit a new one rep max, you're like, I just hit 225 on my bench press, and everyone's like, oh, grats, nice. Because yeah. that's an achievement. Like, right. 225, <laughs> yeah, that's a number. <laughs> I mean, uh, I remember the first time I benched like uh, over 200. Yeah. Amazing feeling. I know, right? it is. Uh, I, I, was, I joke about this to Henry. I'm like, it's okay to be over. I said, like, I said, like, yo, it's okay if you're overweight, but you know you're good as long as you can bench <laughs> your weight. Yeah. If you can bench oh, your yeah, weight, for sure. I think you're, as a, as a dude, as a, as a male, you feel good. Yeah. Right? You're, you're, that's like the benchmark. Yeah, definitely. Right? Um, how about yourself? Like, how much you bench? How much you work out? Um, right are now, are you a fanatic yourself? Yeah, I'm like not super fanatic. Uh, my other two co-founders are a lot more fanatic about the gym than I am. Yeah. But I definitely do go on a regular basis. I try to go five times you, a week. Are you following news about uh, Peletron, the eight million dollar IPO right oh, now? Oh yeah. Right. Um, have you followed them at all? I'm not. I'm kind of following them. Yeah. They're yeah, definitely. I, I got into them after I accidentally listened to their episode on um, how I built this. Yeah. Right, Peloton is basically an exercise bike, but it's gamified because it's like a social element. So yeah, it no, tracks sure. your records and it compares against other people. Yeah. And so it feels like you're not alone in your ba dusty basement, just cycling away. You're competing in like an, an race environment or competing against your friends. Yeah. As I understand that's yeah. how it is. I know they uh, just released like a, a live feature where like, um, it's kind of like a, you know how sometimes there's like a person in front of the class like yeah. biking with everyone, like they're doing that through like video now. That's cool. So that's really cool. Feature. That's really cool. Yeah. Right. Um, and like one of the things like I like uh, at my gym is Anytime Fitness. And one of the things they have is like they have a cycle class. Oh, yeah. But like anytime you can drop the screen. Oh, yeah, exactly. Pick whatever class you want and it'll project. Yeah. It, and you can just follow along at your own pace. You can have it. It's a drop in class because you can run it yeah. anytime you want. But going back to Pilotron, I mean, one of the things I really appreciate about their hustle is when they first launched, they had this like frame of a, a, a exercise machine that was purely built. Like sort of filming a GoFundMe video. Yeah. And if they rode the, the bike as an actual bike, it would fall apart. Yeah. So the model who are, they're filming had to, they had to pretend like they're going really fast and oh, speed really? up the film yeah. to make it look like it was actually being ridden. Oh, wow. That's and then genius. they used that hack to be like, to promote the video, to get yeah. the first capital. They have to actually build their first prototype and move forward. Yeah. 
and now they're eight billion dollar IPO, man. Like yeah. what a what a come up, right? No, they're doing great. So yeah. it's one of the stories like I love about like um, the entrepreneurship field, the innovation industry, is that hustle mentality of like, okay, what do we got to do to get the next level? Yeah. To level up, level up, level up, and go, right? And one of the things I appreciate about you guys is that while you're building this, you decided that you know you have all this access capability to build products. As you're building this, I mean, it's like you have the capability, the front end, the back end, right? To create content, produce all these things. You have a team now built around this, but yep. they're not being fully utilized. So you've created a sister company called Opley now, yeah. right? Where you take the, the same creative talent that goes into building this, and you help utilize it for other companies to build at a very competitive level, apps, exactly. websites, and things like that, right? So Opley, you guys build our website, so thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> no right? Um, let's bring up your website, this here. That one bring Opley. up, right? Yeah, so let's bring up Opley. Helping startups get started. Perfect. So you guys don't really push this much um, when you, if you do talk to people, because you work in the entrepreneurship industry, you work out of the hub here. Yeah. People come up to you and ask, like, hey, can you make this website? Like, is exactly, that how it yeah. goes right now? Like, do you get a lot of income traffic of people just asking because um, you're already in the industry? I mean, right now, we, uh, we actually did start doing quite a bit of like outbound marketing and sales. Um, before, it was mostly, yeah, just like people asking, people coming to us. Um, but we really wanted to like, start scaling it up. Uh, you also did uh, Xmatic's website as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and right now, we're actually working on the UFT prof to create an app for concussion victims to help them get better. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, and yeah, we're using this to fund gym thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great hustle mentality, right? I mean, Airbnb put that put the call out to startups worldwide about like, you know, there's no, nothing, like just because you don't have resources doesn't mean you can't go acquire the resources you yeah. need to fund what you actually want to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so having those side hustles that can bring in um, income and what yeah. it means to produce that, it's so smart. Yeah, really um, helps. How's your strategy been on that side? Right, because that's such a competitive industry right now in, in Toronto for dev shops all fighting for deals, yeah, I know. Like getting to be seen or heard. Yeah. A lot of times uh, people who, um, get, well, go to, go to the dev shops because they're the ones that are the loudest, right? You yeah. can find them yeah. and go to them, they not necessarily, necessarily be the best or might not necessarily be the best price, but they're kind of easy found and the path of these resistance gets in that kind of traffic or because they're known in that industry, Yeah. right? I mean, it's weird, it's funny because like tech is seen from the outside in as a consumer, uh, from the, especially from the consumer side as like, these people who don't really communicate well, like it's all like <laughs> yeah, tech-based, right? Like it's all that. in front of a computer, yeah. right? All this, but and when it comes to actual tech companies interfacing each other or like getting technology deals, especially when it comes to outsourcing tech, yeah. it's all about relationships. It is. I mean, we were, we were talking is. about this all the time, right? Like companies who want to outsource the technology or outsource any part of their firm, they want to know the people that Yeah, they want to have a good relationship with them, call for food, call for drinks, you know, be able to talk with them, right? Yep. And unfortunately, like, uh, because of that, like, a lot of these middlemen players, right, people who have maintain professional relationships with these companies who get these contracts and then resell it under, the, under their brand names and not necessarily do the proper quality control. Yeah. Um, but it's so hard to compete against them because they have the relationships. Yeah. They right? relationships. So they can easily blame, oh, uh, yeah, like, you know, we have this technical problem, this technical problem, but as long as the relationships maintain, it makes it hard for new players to come in. Yeah, it does. But I feel like technology is changing that, right? Like the ability to source talent and resourcing is I think being more decentralized. Mm, um, yeah. I think that, that side of that, 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 that field is being automated as well. So let's go into your thoughts about 
like automation and what's going on in the world, right? Like software is eating the world. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, know. you're a technical founder. You're a computer programmer. You're uh, you, you're a computer. You, you studied uh, comp sci. Comp sci, right? Computer science. So, what are your thoughts on like software eating this world, right? Like yeah. how algorithms are picking up and automating uh, yeah. jobs I mean, that are pretty menial. Yeah. Pretty much everything is transitioning over to that. Like, it just came out of nowhere. Like um, five years ago, like you wouldn't have heard of machine learning being anywhere near this powerful. Mm -hmm. And today it's just used on like every industry, every company uses it across like everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still think there's many years before like, they start like automating like a lot of jobs. Yeah. Um, but like the manual jobs and like even the, even like design jobs and like there's a lot of jobs that are being automated and I mean, it's, it's insane what's going on right now with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like one of the podcasts that I, I really liked was um, the Joe Rogan Experience with Naval uh, Vankit. I forgot his last name. Yeah. Um, it was one of the co-founders, uh, sorry, the co-managers of AngelList. Yeah. He had this whole talk about how like the Silicon Valley style startups, technolo technology companies are pretty much slicing away at traditional business models of companies. So companies traditionally build very vertically, right? Yeah. You have these nine different, nine different major departments, right? Admin, uh, your own, uh, your own technology, uh, IT, IT yeah. kind of department, accounting, right? You build these stacks, sales. You build these stacks, yeah, and they're ver vertically aligned. And these technology companies coming in and slicing away at these verticals, right? Allowing for things that are historically, um, like you know, are fought for strengths in the field. So let's say like. Like DoorDash, what DoorDash is doing for uh, logistics. Yeah. Before, you can be like a pizza hut, have all these resources, build a call center, have uh, delivery, 45 minutes or free kind of delivery. Yeah. Right? And you have to outcompete the mom and pop shops because you're bigger, you have a bigger marketing budget, people don't call you, and they know the quality assurance is there, and a phone call away, boom. Like uh, all the customer support is there, someone to complain to is there, and there's a hut nearby, or, or they'll, they'll make one nearby, right? Yeah. That use the traditional business model. So that allows you to fare unfairly in the market space because of the resource you have. Yep. But now DoorDash comes in and says, it doesn't matter who you are, you just list with us yeah, and you pay that, pay that small fee on the consumer side. If the consumer is willing to pay it, yes, because they find the consumer. And we, we find the, the talent base that can do the logistics for you, right? can do the deliveries for you. Yeah. So now it doesn't matter if you're a Pizza Hut or a Pizza Pizza, Right, you're kind of on the, the DoorDash the app. Playing field. You're in the same playing field. Yeah. Right. You're no longer matters that you have a call center because people are ordering to the app primarily. Right. No longer matters if you have your own drivers because people have the app here to deliver from anywhere. So big players and small players are now equalized and a more competitive advantage, a more uh, competitive market space. The only thing is uh, the the bigger players have a bigger spend they can use on marketing. Right, they decrease the cost because they don't have to have their own staff now managing yeah, deliveries. That's, that's true. Right, but you know, the mom and pop shop across the corner who might have a specialty kind of way of different way of doing things might be able to c compete equally. Yeah. So it's really interesting what technology is allowing the competitive landscape when it comes to uh, technologies. And sorry, to in in traditional and non-traditional businesses is happening. Right, um, and the kind of the view that this guy had was really interesting because it's like we're going back to how it used to be traditionally in hmm. human culture, right? Like everyone kind of takes care of themselves. Yeah. No longer are we this part of like the big hierarchy companies, but like everyone becomes their own entrepreneur and kind of atomizes the firm. 
Yeah. That's a term he uses, like how, how like atomizing the firm. So smaller and smaller groups of people can handle, manage larger and larger companies yeah. and systems through automation. And because of that, instead of like these big, huge companies popping up um, that run by a very lean team that sucks up all the resources, yeah. what we're seeing is the equalization of innovation, right? Where smaller teams can now compete with the larger players. With the larger players. Yeah. And sure. that's one of the tenets I really love of technology and innovation right yeah. now, is the ability to equalize capitalism, to make it more equal for people, for new players to come into the game. But still, there's still such a huge knowledge gap missing. And like, okay, how do you interface with technology? How do you use that to build a company, right? I mean, there's still a lot of people who have no idea that this whole side of the economy exists, right? That you can easily just, you know, launch a Shopify account and um, still, and like, you know, launch yeah. a business right now without any kind of, in, uh, any kind of like actual infrastructure and get that going just so that you're purely marketing and pure hustle, get that, uh, right? And um, I think that's, that's sad, yeah, right, that more is. people need to get into it, but I think it's gonna be falling into order, right? Like this is what I view is the future uh, of work is gonna look like, where we see more entrepreneurs and less people in jobs. Um, and there's a positive benefit because not everybody benefits from being independent. Some no, people true. need yeah. the, structure the structure of being told what to do. Safety, the right? all that stuff, yeah. They, they like, okay, sit here and do this. Okay, I can sit here and do this. I feel safe and secure. This is my environment. This is what I can control, what I can't control. This is what I report to. If I need help or if I, I don't know what to do, I go to this person. Yeah. Right? That security blanket of infrastructure is there, but that's being deteriorated by technology. And I think that's one of the main causes, like, why, like, there's so much anxiety in, like, the, the world right now. It's because oh, the independence okay. and the thought. choice yeah. that's coming from technology. Yeah. Now you have more access. Like, you can now apply to more jobs than ever. Yeah, Same can. time, companies have access to more applicants than ever. Like, I think the number, Lever was giving a number, like, the average job now, uh, posted by majority of companies, have, like, 2,000 applicants. 2,000 LinkedIn, yeah. Monster, right, all these different platforms. That's what Lever does, right? All these different platforms now feed in, if they, if the company connects to Lever, yeah. feed into their management platform to manage all those applicants. Yeah. But like, think about that demand and supply. It's such an overwhelming response that companies now are focusing more on recruiting via referrals. So whoever works there to put a referral in, yeah. you are 90% more likely to hire that person yeah. because it's too much response rate. Yeah, and on my experience, like, yeah, I just put a job out there and I get hundreds of resumes and like, I just don't have the time to look all to these over. Through. Yeah. Right, and the, and the too much choice kind of free, like, um, it freezes you. Yeah, I know right? it does, and yeah. You just, just like, okay, this work is too much, I'm not even gonna pursue this anymore. Um, so I think it's, what's interesting is that's a huge benefit, it's a huge potential there for disruption. I mean, we're seeing a lot of disruption in that kind of field where recruitment fields and you know, now we're like, there's companies paying yeah. for headhunters almost, yeah. right, to go and find the recruit the tra yeah. talent. It's so a couple of machine learning based startups also doing like recruiting on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is like, you can't really, like you can recruit at the base level, right? Like you need very minimal little labor, but like for like more complex jobs, right? How do you find the, what kind of skills people have matches with the skills needed, right? Because if you look, if you really think about it, resumes don't really say much. People no, fake resumes all the time. Yeah, you can just pull anything there. Right, so how do you validate the, the workforce, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's an interesting conversation yeah. to have. Like, and that's one of the main reasons I like the idea of like the more entrepreneurs. So rather than people hiring other people, 
Yeah. It's more like you put up the workload. Yeah. This is what I need to be done. This is how much I'm willing to pay for it. And more of a system comes into place where like it, it, it just put, distributes to the people who are willing to do it and they bid on the contract or yeah. they take it, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a company, Engineering.ai, which is actually doing something like that. Oh, yeah? Um, so they're pretty much a dev shop. Uh, they're pretty large now. Um, and when they get a contract, they have a bunch of other like smaller companies they work with. And then they split up that contract using their proprietary like algorithm. And then they give each each of these companies a small part of that job. Mm. And then they just put it all together and deliver it to the client. And apparently with, for them, they, they claim it reduces prices by a lot. Because now you can like, specialize um, certain parts of the development process, right? So like, if this company is really, really good at like front end design, they'll send that to that and then be able to send it back into another company. Nice. So yeah, there, there's a lot of disruption in that space right now. And I think it's for the better. I mean, it can always just, it can only just reduce costs, um, increase like productivity and like, specialization. And I think, I feel like that, that's just great. There's more people being able to like, have their own startup, not being able to work under a boss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of feature I feel like would be very beneficial. It's like, imagine waking up and seeing on your phone the type of jobs available for you. Yeah. And you can figure out working from home, working remotely, or going to a co-working space. You choose where you want to go work out of and uh, which jobs you want to work, which contracts yeah. you want to take on. Kind of like what like, Amazon's doing now with delivery, right? Like, the delivery drivers would go and on their phone, they choose, they like swipe right oh, to yeah. pick jobs yeah. for Amazon deliveries, right? Those, freelan those freelancers. Yeah, you swipe right to, pay, to get your jobs. It goes in a chart, into a cart. You pull up into the Amazon delivery facility and whatever you chose gets put into you and yeah. you go out, and, go out and deliver them and you get paid per job. It's, got, it's got, almost yeah. like a gig worker, right? Now, when you, when you, the gig economy, it takes a lot of flack because like the lower level jobs, menial tasks are being now yeah. Yeah, independent contractors, and there's no like minimum wage. There's no you know benefits coverage, and like again like they're not making as much as they would have in a traditional job. They get the freedom of of course working for themselves. Yeah. And they're working more hours. They have a, the idea of being a business, but they're not really. I mean, you're not really a business if you're making barely enough to sustain yourself. That's true. Right? Yeah. But what I'm looking forward is when the gig economy hits up to like more higher level jobs, right? Like. Like for us, like we, one of the things we, like uh, Bluemex wants to do is do that for sales. Yeah. Right. So we do. We want to do. What we are doing is sales outsourcing for uh, tech companies, because sales and tech companies are have a very weird interplay. Where tech companies are really like they're really hard at, really bad at hiring the right yeah. salespeople, because um, such contradictory skill it sets. It is very contradictory. So uh, a sales company full of very technical-minded people don't appreciate as much nuances that goes into sales, yeah. and because of that, they don't hire properly. Yeah, I they see. just don't know what to look for, I feel. Yeah, and it's a vice versa, right? Non-tech non companies have a hard time hiring in tech. Yeah. Right? They're like technical people, because they don't know what they're hiring for. Um, so we're seeing like very in interesting interplay. So we're trying to solve that by telling tech companies, hey, we will outsource your sales for you, and they'll develop a sales, uh, sales team remotely that'll work for you. And it's kind of like a play into the gig economy. So I'm interested to see yeah, no. how that kind of works out. Yeah. But uh, how about yourselves? Like, you're, one of the things now is, okay, you built out this system, right? With, uh, through Opley, you built out uh, Jimting, and you now have Opley that can build up other companies. Now it's all about getting sales or people coming to you. Yes, right? exactly. What channels do you use, and how do you, how do you find yeah. them? Yeah, I mean, well, we're using Bluemax. We're using you guys. Yeah. You guys have brought us several good contracts. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, we did just recently start hiring internally for it. Um, we started off with just a 
pretty much um, just a business development person who's going to go out to um, like events. Um, and then I feel like that's one of the best ways to look for clients, um, like startup conferences, things like Elevate, Collision. There's always people that are looking for tech, <laughs> yeah. um, especially since we're targeting startups. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's, that's not huge for us since we're not trying to scale Opley that much. We're using Opley just for, um, to fund gym thing, right? Gotcha. Um, so we are investing a bit into it, but we're not like going all out on the Opley side. Yeah, because running a dev shop right now is tough. It is, so yeah. the demand is like, it's crazy because the demand is out there. Yeah. But the demand is not being distributed equally. Yeah. Right? It's very held up to a very few relationships. Yeah. Right? If you're downtown and you have the relationship that you need, you're good to go. But uh, as you said, like, uh, that's not your main focus. Your yeah. main focus right now is gym thing. Yeah. Right? And getting that up and running. Yeah. Launch. And I feel like that's where something like Bluemax is perfect, where we don't have the time and we don't want to, like, worry about sales and, like, all this stuff. So if we could just outsource this to another company that takes care of all that, takes care of the, the client relationship, takes care of actually pretty much the outbound marketing, takes care of um, like all these meetings with the clients and that, that, that's an amazing tool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I see that too. I mean, like, if, you, if you take away that need from a company, right, to maintain client relationships, not just maintain client relationships, but um, you know, close new clients, the whole, the whole idea of bringing new work in. Yeah. Let's just say, for instance, that's gone. Now, as a, as a firm, all you're focusing on is delivery. How to best deliver on the, on the product or service yeah. that solves the pain points, or the, the, the problems you see in the marketplace. Exactly. Right? You focus on that and let the market kind of adjust for it, uh, for you. Right? So uh, my thought pattern is like, how do we get to that kind of pure play kind of uh, marketplace where the best solution for the biggest problem points gets connected together? Yeah. Because a lot of times, it's not always the best solution that gets connected. It's a person who has, yeah, they're respectfully the most hustle, but part of the hustle could be a relationship that they, they utilize or unfair yeah. advantages that kind of connects them together. Yeah, someone they already knew, for example. Right, being in the right place at the right time, yeah. right, you kind of get entered into it. So it might not be the best, like, you know, the plug to fix into that problem set, but you're there because of opportunity costs were low, you kind of get inserted into there. Exactly. Right, so how do we move more into the pure play marketplace? Well, the best solution can be there. And if it's not the best and new solution comes in, that can be plugged in, right? Mm. So a yeah. lot more competition, yes, but it's better for everybody in general. Um, and I think that's an interesting thought to look forward to. And I think as, like, like you said, algorithms get more and more intense, right? The ability to atomize the work, workloads. So a company can be like, instead of being like, okay, we need our IT outsource, or not, not even outsource, like we need to expand our abilities as, as a firm. Yeah. We need to, instead of hiring more talent, let's just put our needs out there and see and get contracted for it, right? To see what the contracts are. Right now, they might go to a few, a few major firms and then touch out and see, uh, you know, what the ballpark figures are and then from their yep. budget for it. And then you figure out, do I hire internally and just get it done internally? Or what the costs and benefits uh, materialize if I uh, outsource it out and get it done right away yeah. right? and pay for it? And it's almost like uh, you can break this down to a science. You can, yeah, for right? sure. Like, you know, what is the cost-benefit analysis here and all this? And that's generally how companies work. But since it can be broken down already, why isn't there a framework where you can just insert the work required and, and get that to like break it down? there's a platform that finds everything right? for you, yeah. And I feel like, like you said, like there's a few AI companies out there, a few platforms emerging that's trying to do this. 
But I think it's the issue is the complexity of the data required. That's true. Yeah, the right? data is extremely. You need so much data. Like right now, the like. So what's interesting is like everyone's talking about how machine learning came out of nowhere or AI came out of nowhere. It's actually like the, I think the fourth w time AI became like a thing in the world. Oh really? Where yeah, like even in the '60s, there was a time where they thought machines are going to be taken over. Like oh when, like, yeah. Right during the computer revolution, the initial computer revolution, the '80s again, right? The internet first started forming, right? They thought like, there's always these periods where they thought like oh the machines are going to take over from humans. And it's always been fueled by high, high, high periods of growth and innovation within the, within the uh, computer industries, computing, uh, computing industries. Yeah. And this time around, it's not because of new uh, software, it's because no. of availability of data. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, there's two big things. Like before, a lot of the algorithms were already invented like in the 60s or 70s. Yeah. Um, but the computers weren't like, powerful enough to, to run to process all this data, to run yeah. them. And there was no data points to collect. Yeah, exactly, and there was no data. Yeah. So now that with like, all these companies, for example, Google collecting all this data on, on everyone, yeah. um, and having like large supercomputers, like that can like lead to like actual like much much better machine learning and artificial intelligence. Absolutely, and uh, I think that's one of the things that people don't understand much. Is like right now we're seeing with AI, it's not really an artificial intelligence. More, it's more narrow. It's more narrow AI. Yeah. Right. AI is very specific to a certain specific task. That can do it in bulk repeatedly for you know like at a very fast scale, using uh, data points coming from that very narrow narrow yeah. field, right? What's gonna be interesting is when those different different narrow fields kind of come together into a more not a general AI but more of a wider kind of AI that can do more complex tasks, complex tasks. And I think we're still about ten years away from yeah. more complex tasks being t taken over by AI. You, you agree on this? I'll say yeah, ten years is. Pretty good estimate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like right now is like when it's really like, it's still on the verge of like, you know when the, there's like the um, exponential? Mm -hmm. It's still like on the verge of becoming like that big steep slope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's like huge innovations right now with so many companies doing so many different things. And like the data being shared now is a lot more readily available. I think Google just released like a a search engine for uh, big data sets. So if you need like data on anything, like I was using it the other day to search for exercise data. Mm -hmm. And you can just type it in as if it was a normal search engine and it will give you like a bunch of like data sets of what you might be looking for. And that's just, lots of times that's freely available data, but sometimes it's just a low cost way to just get all this data. No, absolutely. And like, we still marvel about how much data is out there because it kind of exploded out of nowhere. Yeah. Because the ability to collect data, but we're still in the infancy of this. Yeah, we are. Like, and that's kind of mind-boggling to think about because we, have, with all the data out there right now and the privacy leaks and all these issues we're having right now, I mean, people already think it's overwhelming because it came like literally in the last yeah. five years we've produced more data than we've done in the history of <laughs> humanity, and yeah. we have no idea what to do with it. And these, yeah, these machine learning platforms are coming. You can like like you know sort through them and filter through them but like the amount of data points you are going to collect 10 20 years from now it's going to be astronomically astronomically like exponentially more yeah right and that's going to be interesting to see how we how do we, how do, how do we do, deal with that right like we're seeing more and more of these IoT products like uh, there's an interesting one that came out in the states uh, in the states is in um, fertility tech right oh okay so it's a menstrual pad for women that measures 
how um, fertile you are. Oh, wow. Right? And gives yeah. you readings on your thing based off, you know, your, your period and your monthly discharges, like, um, you know, how fertile you are, you know, what your cycle is, like, direct feedback on, like, you know, what's going on in your body. Yeah. But the distrust in data, right, distrust in, like, you know, companies having yeah. ownership of that data yeah, for sure. prevents people from following that. So I feel like the privati privatization of the data collection is hampering the data collection. It's hampering the movement of the industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where people are becoming distrustful. Like, wait, you hear these, 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 all your data leaks. You hear about you know, your data being out there and it being utilized without your knowledge. Um, and you get, people get worried. And yeah. they want to interface less with things that collect, collect, yeah. collect data, right? I feel like, yeah, there's always going to be people that are worried, but I feel uh, still the vast majority of people... Don't care? They, 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 they don't care. They still are using Facebook, even though after all the recent scandals were like how Facebook's like leaking our data. Um, they're using like like with... Um, I forgot the name. Uh, the AI-based company out of uh, the UK okay. that did the election. Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica. Like the huge scandal with Cambridge Analytica. And like that kind of just disappeared. I mean, they just start up a new company under a different name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I um, mean. And there's still people like just putting all their data out there. So I feel like that's that does slow it down a bit. But the vast majority of people, I feel like, are just not caring. And I feel like as it becomes more and more commonplace that like all these companies are gonna have your data, people are gonna be like, oh well, that's that's just how it is. So one of the things like. I'm really into this idea of like the next Google, right? Yeah. So the next Google thing is going to be more of a search engine for AI, search engine for like like uh, yeah, basically for artificial intelligence. Yeah. To be able to access to multiple sources source of income, uh, sorry, uh, streams of data. Yeah. And it being pre-categorized, and um, there's certain interesting plays in this, right? Uh, I forgot the the company that does this. It's a um, it's a crypto company. Right? Okay. It's an it's a AI marketplace. So people can put in their AI constructs from anywhere in yeah. the world into this marketplace. Right? It has access to all these data points. It can test itself. But this marketplace has AI that measures the utility of that AI system. Oh, wow. Right, in yeah. real time. So as that AI gets trained and becomes smarter through machine learning and yeah. you know, the more data you feed it, it also gets validated through the AI network on how useful it is to the network. Yeah. And there's, so there's one, a validation cross-validation AI that measures how different AI systems are working, performing, yeah. are performing, and then it's a higher order ones that like, okay, this one's validated in this problem set, let's elevate it yeah. into, into, a, into, into where it should be, right? So this solves this problem. This is a, this is a market leader for this. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy, well, that's, right? That's like constructing yeah, that's a brain, level. right? Yeah. And um, yeah, super like, squirrely stuff that's coming out there. On how this uh, yeah. how this kind of works. Do you perhaps know the name of that company? What's that? Um, it's a I'm crypto sure. company. I totally forgot. Okay. No, right. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link. If yeah, I for sure. I definitely right. want to. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast as well. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. The, the the founder of that. Super oh, okay. smart dude. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? Like, um, are you scared of AI? Are you embracing of AI? Like, uh, I feel like we should embrace it. Yeah. Um. I mean, there are. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be issues with every new technology. But I feel the potential it has to improve your life. I mean, like right now, we're seeing, um, I read a couple of days ago, that um, there's an AI-based system for detecting like brain, like brain tumors, like cancer. 
and it's performing equal or a better level than doctors. Yep, yep. So you see that um, thing in China? It's like China pitted an AI competition yeah. versus 500 of its best doctors. Oh, yeah? Right, uh, because like one third of medical diagnoses are either wrong or false. Yeah. So all this has to be is two times, two thirds fa uh, better. And this computer AI system outperformed like five of the top doctors and yeah. medical I mean, diagnosis. Yeah, right? I, mean, I can see that. I mean, as a doctor, you're gonna have experience, but you're not gonna know about all these edge cases, all these other like, all these millions of data points. Yeah. There's no way as a human you can do that. Yeah, exactly. But a machine can just see yeah. the past million records and arrive at a much more accurate conclusion. Yeah, I mean, that's what, it's the, what um, the machine revolution is doing, right? It's making, it's equalizing the playing field again, right? So we used to have these outlier humans yeah. who can do this exponential amount of work, right? Yeah. And you accumulate them within an, within an, within an industri industrialized nation, yeah. right? Through immigration and all this, bring the smartest people in, yeah. and then, okay, cool. You reach this level of uh, performance, you're a doctor, or you're an engineer, exactly. and you're, you're the top tier of this, 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 and you're handed this responsibility to manage, um, you know, the ethics concerns, the, you know, the, the where uh, research is spent. You're like the gatekeeper, yeah. almost to like where we're moving, progressing, moving forward. Yeah. But uh, I think one of the things that computer systems are going to do that is take away the need for those outliers, is allow the the masses to have the same kind of ability, right? So uh, like a nurse or a person who's like only four four years and two years of of like specialized learning versus like the 13 plus years a doctor would need can now jump in and use a system yeah right uh, that can do equal or more work right, um, at a wider scale yeah, and utilize that in research uh, in a better capacity right yeah exactly you know that's that's really good because um that it can only increase the rate of which like technology advances if you have all these more people that can um like do all these advanced things then yeah that's how I, um, like I envision technology is supposed to be, right? So it's a connector. Yeah. It's a great equalizer. As it connects you to the resources you need, it expands your abilities. Um, uh, do you know about, uh, much about like, the transhumanist movement? Transhumanist movement? There's no, The transhumanist know. movement is about how to combine humans and technology together. Okay. As in like directly. Yeah. So as in like using, instead of wearables, no, the tech is yeah. you. Yeah, like a cyborg type right? thing. Right, kind of like cyborg <laughs> kind, of, kind, yeah. of, kind, of, kind of ability, right? Yeah. Where you have embedded chips in your, in your skin giving you direct feedback on, on, your, on yourself from everything from your resting um, your heart rate to your yeah. easy, like, like live in ECG readings, right? To get, collect these data points from yourself as a body. Don't worry about that. I switched out a battery. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, uh, to like, um, yeah, so collecting all the data points from yourself and being able to control yourself better. Um, I think right now it's what's, it's what's, it's right now it's about getting sensory information. Okay. So you insert these, you don't insert, you kind of like attach things oh, to you. Okay, yeah. Even wearing wearables, like in a smartwatch, it's in effect transhumanism. Yeah. Because you're expanding your ability true. to like monitor yourself. Yeah. And right now we're at a stage where you can now collect this data point to monitor yourself. But I think we're gonna move very quickly into a point where we can now directly affect our bodies. Yeah. Um, in a way that like, you know, imagine being able to like, you know, through an app, control your resting heart rate. Wow. Or you know, I, yeah. your particular hormone levels. Yeah. I think that's completely well, possible. That's some scary stuff. That's <laughs> some scary stuff. That's like biohacking. Yeah, it is. Uh, people are already experimenting with that. Yeah. Right, how to bioengineer yourself, not just in manipulating your cells, 
but in the way that your nervous system communicates yeah. or triggers or fires, yeah. right? So imagine things like PTSD or like anxiety um, that's like taking over, like the, the anxiety issues that are taking over, the, uh, over um, I guess, uh, people, like a lot of people are suffering with these kind of disorders. So you would experience it, if you experience it, you have a lot of physical cascading effects. But what if like a machine can stop it? Hmm. Yeah. You know, and you can directly control that. Yeah. What if you're a bodybuilder, but you can naturally increase your testosterone levels or your, you know, your growth hormone levels. Yeah, that's true. Right? By directly uh, being able to control the feedback mechanisms in your body. Yeah. Because your body is a machine. It's a yeah, whole ecosystem. Yeah, the other is a machine. Right? Yeah. And if you can, uh, can, can trigger certain touch points, you can effectively control it. Right? So it's about conquering yourself. Hmm. Yeah. And the technology is going to allow true. that to, to be happening. Yeah. So I feel like the next for like, 10, 20 years of fitness industry, right? It's going to be that kind of, that kind of capability. Right now, we have the sensory abilities yeah. of being able to pull all this information from yourself and allow you to train yourself better or move yourself better. But as, as things move on with the fitness, you're going to be directly be able to, to have a machine feedback to your body, right? Like, yeah. imagine being able to run a, run a marathon or on a treadmill, but in your mind, you're watching a movie. But like a yeah. machine is taking over your over actual your muscle movements, so your body movements, and making yeah. you run on the treadmill. Yeah. So you're effectively while you're training, you're like doing a one-mile run, yeah. or like a multiple-mile run, running for like an hour yeah. on a treadmill or whatever. But a machine is controlling your body yeah. and making it work out. Yeah. While you, your consciousness, is experiencing something else. Yeah. It's like some black mirror type shit. Some black mirror shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, that'd be amazing. I don't. I think there's still. As long Several way to go. years. There's yeah, years to go. A long way but to go. 10 years is not that, not, but, not that yeah, long no, of time. I, yeah. I think in 10 years, we're going to have the ability to directly be able to, like, to have direct feedback into, yeah, into the body. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, um, they are already like, doing like, um, things for blind people. Like, it's a chip implant in your brain that does allow you to see. And yeah. right now, it's the super early stages. I think it's like a 16 by 16 pixel grid or something. So you can only kind of see like, lights and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's a, proof, it's a proof of concept for the technology, the being able to like directly interface with your brain mm. and give your brain signals directly. So that's, yeah, the technology is already kind of like starting out there. It has a huge way to go, but I can definitely see it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, do you use wearables and stuff like, stuff like that in your normal days? Like yeah, I, I personally don't, but I do see like why people use them. They're, they're great, yeah. They're great, right? Um, and like, it's crazy, but like there are the different types of wearables coming out now, right? Like you can wear like an Apple smartwatch. Like the vast majority of, I do a lot of clients, and a lot of the Apple Watch wa users are actually like people are older, 50 years plus, because hmm. it can be used to monitor your heart rate. Oh yeah. Independently true. of yeah. your phone too, right? Yeah. Monitor your heart rate. It actually gives a very accurate ECG reading. Yeah. Of any kind of heart murmurs or anything, it can predict heart attacks, things like that. Okay. But I mean, yeah. very soon we're gonna have the capability, right, to monitor way more things in the body in real time. Yeah, that's true. Right, like, yeah. uh, like your what's in your blood content, right, sugar levels, things like that. Um, I think that's gonna be a very interesting yeah. this industry for that kind yeah. of capability. Yeah, I mean the whole biotech space is just blowing up right now. Um, it's especially, uh, it's scary what they're doing now with like genome modifications. Yeah. Um, where like you can, like, if you want your kid to be born a certain way, um, you can like go in and modify the genomes. I don't know if they've been doing some experimentation with that in China. Yeah, I mean, there's mm. still some, um, like, 
like a controversy with that. Not yeah, even, there's not a even, huge controversy. Not though. even the moral ethics of it. Yeah. If it's whether it's actually effective. Okay. Right, because like we're still, uh, I think, so early in genetics research. Yeah. That like we think like affecting genes a certain way will have effect, but we don't understand the cascade effect. Yeah. That's so true. the the issue is like if we, even if we people do modify, we don't even know if it's if going to uh, how big of a benefit it's going to be, right? Uh, I mean, the scary effect is like we created superhumans. Yeah. Right, but what if? But like we can very well be like you know put in like. $50,000, $500,000, and only have a certain percentage increase, right? I mean, are we okay with that? Yeah, right. because it also depends a lot on, like, once they're born, how they train, like, all these types of things, right? Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's super hard gauging, like, how effective things are since just so many different factors when it comes to, like, DNA and, and people in general. Yeah, yeah that, that controversy with the guy in China, definitely, right? Yeah. Just, Announced that he was gonna be—he just did research on humans, right? Yeah. And uh, he disappeared. <laughs> just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's some crazy stuff going on there, though. Yeah, and that's things you hear about, right? Yeah. So I mean, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, hopefully, not too many shady things happening <laughs> in that kind of experience, because yeah. like, how scary would it be to be in a world where there's like, bioengineered humans? Yeah, there's also superhumans walking around. Right. Scary stuff. I mean, it's bad enough where you you have like you know people, rich people can like play, <laughs> you know, who can like pay for complete improvements. Yeah. But what happens when that's used for military purposes, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. You're like cross, you're like breeding military uh, people for the military, and like, how do you respond to that? I don't know. But anyways, this has been a roller coaster, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's been great. Um, Oppley, I mean, we definitely, we use you all the time for our websites, any kind of technical work, we come to you. I recommend any, anyone, a startup or working in a, even a bigger institutions, right, require some kind of quick work to get, the, yep. get things up and running. Apps or websites, check out Oppley. And Gymting is now up and running, yeah, right? It it's available on iOS and Android. Yep. Perfect, so check that out as well. I'm gonna be checking out, I'm gonna check it out as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Just and um, yeah, let us know if any updates come out so we can push it out. Awesome. Yeah, Perfect. sure. Will. Thank okay. you, Andres. Great. See you again, Ravi. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, bro.